Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode five of Too Legit to Crit. I am John Santana. And I'm still Justin Taylor. That hasn't changed. Still not changed. It's kind of persistent, right. that, isn't it? It's it is. It's been persistent for, like, my whole life. It's really weird. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird how that works. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> Unlike me, who has two names. Well, yeah, that's why I, I like to clarify that I'm still me. I've got three in certain parts of the world. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, episode five. Who would have thought we'd make it five weeks chatting bollocks? I know, right? I thought we'd have burnt out by now. Yeah, same, same. And I just had the feeling we're just kind of, I can't be fucked. And, and <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> talk to people. <laughs> I just want to smash my head into a wall. I just want to <laughs> stay at home and masturbate. I mean... Wait, what? <laughs> Oh, well, you know, that's, uh, I thought that's what everybody so, did. moving on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, so episode five. Um, we've got quite a few things on the old agenda. We have an agenda this week, which is weird. We don't normally uh, normally do that. Yeah, it's kind of... Not only, are we, not only are we still doing it, we're actually putting effort into it, which is... Right? Which is... We, yeah. We even, like, discussed what to put in the episode. Like, we had a big meeting it felt like it's weird it's scary it's like work i know Wait. i know it's a bank <laughs> holiday here in the uk and we're doing work i know we're, we're weird we are we're uh. <laughs> yeah so speaking of the agenda so just having a look at it we've got some news news stories as usual that hasn't changed we're still doing that uh and then we've got uh, a couple topics that we want to talk about we'll get into later on and then we we have a couple questions i'm i'm i don't know about you but i am excited yeah. my That's nipples nice. could cut glass right now <laughs> we go that far oh i would <laughs> i could thread a needle with these bad boys <laughs> oh right <laughs> So, to stop me making this ever even more uncomfortable... Um, Should we get started with some news? <laughs> I, I was gonna. I was actually going to... I was more interested in, in what's been going on with you. Have you been doing anything in the tabletop role-playing space over the past week? <sighs> yes and no. So, I... After our conversation uh, last episode about the, the, the broken character that I built that I was going to play... Um, I was chatting with another player in the game who also wanted to bring in a, a new character, um, and we we came up with a pretty cool concept, which is what uh, which is actually the one the talking point that I wanted to bring up with you later on. Um, so I've I've got a new character. I'm not playing the broken one anymore. Um, we've opted against that um, in in light of this this new concept, which is a so I'm playing a, a changeling warlock is, is what I'm going to be playing because changelings are really fun and warlocks are really fun and fun and fun makes twice the fun right that's um, that's what my dad used to say to me all the time exactly now the other player that uh i, I had this conversation with also felt like playing a changeling warlock would be a lot of fun so we're both playing changeling warlocks okay now we thought, what are the chances of two changelings being in the same adventuring party, right? Pretty slim. They're not all that common around the world. Um, especially in, in the setting that we're playing in, right? So we came up with a pretty cool concept. 
were twins. Okay. And it was a case of one of those things of, uh, you know, my sibling, you know, swore to a patron. I swore to a patron. My patron's better because I'm older. And that whole dynamic. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be quite interesting. And uh, I was intrigued to get your take on it. Okay. I'm, I'm happy to, to chat about that. It does seem it does seem quite interesting. <laughs> um, and other than that, my, my daughter, who is three years of age, inadvertently wrote her own quest today. Oh, that's cool. Um, just using her imagination. So she... She, she quite likes, because um, as we've discussed before, I have a lot of like tabletop pieces, right? So I've got like dungeon tiles and, and uh, like cave tiles and I've got like minis and models and all that sort of thing, right? She quite likes playing with them and I've actually used her playing with them to create dungeon layouts in the past. Um, so I'll just like give her all the tiles and she'll build out a layout and I take a photo of it and then that becomes a dungeon layout. So she does that quite a lot and she she actually builds them in like with where the the creatures and the combats are going to happen as well like she'll put like the models down like this is where this is happening this is where this is um and she she's actually oddly very good at scaling the combats correctly like so as you go through her dungeon it starts off with like some goblins then you get to like some trolls and then like it gets harder and harder as you go through this dungeon um and she's fascinated with trolls at the moment don't know why and yeah we, we were out today to go shopping this morning and um she had this whole scenario in her head that she was telling me about about this troll that uh, lived under a bridge and which is obviously where trolls live as we all know that's where trolls are um at least in a lot of children's stories and things like that um and like about this troll that that takes children and all this sort of thing and i thought that'd actually be a really cool quest to have like this this troll that like lives under a bridge and uh is taking the the children from this town right this this like little village or whatever so these children are disappearing they don't know it's a troll right these kids are just disappearing um and in investigating they all seem to be disappearing from this one bridge and under the bridge the party will find like a an entrance to a like an underground cavern or something like that and in there there's this you have a little adventure going through this underground underground cavern to eventually fight this troll and free these children and i just thought that'd be a really cool little little quest that she kind of inadvertently helped me write (laughs) yeah and then you can tpk your entire party and blame it on your daughter exactly it's not my fault it's the three-year-old's fault who's gonna stay mad at a three-year-old it's perfect i think it's a perfect crime Exactly, but yeah. So that's pretty much all I've been up to. What about yourself? Have you been doing anything thrilling? Still doing. Still got a lot of prep to do um, with this upcoming convention. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's taken me quite a bit. Just inputting the entire module into a, into Obsidian, getting encounters set up, etc. Um, so that's taken a, a huge chunk of my time. Um, but I can now finally reveal what the next sort of mini arc of my my home campaign is going to be because I have Ooh. I have revealed it to my players and I'm just going to go ahead and say it it's going to be a casino heist oh yep. okay a bit of Ocean's Eleven on the go bit of Ocean's Eleven and yeah essentially party needs MacGuffin mm-hmm. MacGuffin was stolen years ago by a bad person 
who has since then set up shop in a sort of desert oasis city and he has made so Vegas yeah so he's basically <laughs> created a casino and he's not the sort of person to hand over MacGuffin willingly so no, it is not. yeah they've got to prepare a casino heist casino which, heist interesting which has caused the appropriate amount of excitement from my players I can imagine that would be a pretty cool thing to start planning yeah and because it also means that at some point they're going to have to go spend time in a casino. Yes. So, Which is yes. always fun. <laughs> Developing games for them to play and all that. Yeah. And yeah, it's going to be it's going to be quite interesting. So, yeah, I'm excited for that. That's up and yeah, that coming. That sounds really really cool. Yeah, other than that, yeah. not really much else to say. Um getting through our abomination vaults run through. Mm-hmm. Um nearly hitting the end of book two just about to start book three um fantastic fantastic um adventure path if anybody is on the fence about picking it up and i went very lavish and i actually bought the the official foundry sort of module for it well lardy oh it is sexy <laughs> <laughs> it is it is very sexy and very nice and yeah so that's what we've been doing but other than that got a game running tonight so hence why we're recording it this time yes (laughs) oh well that that all sounds really good man you have to let me know how how they come up with uh with robbing this casino and how it all goes for them yeah i'm still i'm still in kind of the early processes of writing um Mm. because it's been rattling around my head for months and months um but until i actually committed to doing it i wasn't going to start because procrastination so now that it is actually yeah this is what we're doing i'm kind of up against the wall and i actually need to start right now yeah Yeah. (laughs) but i am considering a alternative mode of presenting the adventure Okay. Which I'm not really going to go into because I haven't discussed it with the players yet, but I think it's going to be yeah. quite interesting. So when I shall be updating as things kind of progress. Mm. So shall we talk about some news? I think we shall. Right. Okay. So few interesting news stories this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to start it off with one that I didn't expect um, kind of came out the blue and we both looked at it and went oh that's interesting yes. and it is the 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 studio that's responsible for releasing um, Dune and Star Trek Modifius they are creating their own RPG with their own universe mm. which for Modifius is quite Strange because they normally or they've been known for licensed products. Yeah. So them doing their own thing is is definitely interesting. And I like the concept of it. It's called Dreams and Machines. Mm-hmm. And it is going to be set on the planet of Avera Prime, which is cut off from Earth. 
It sees players attempting to rebuild the human colonies after they were devastated by deadly mechs called Wakers. Since the Wakers have fallen dormant, humans have started to reconstruct their communities away from Earth. Using scraps from advanced technology left by Wakers, humans have developed their own cultures and factions such as the Archivists, Dreamers and Spears. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, I think for, for me, the bit that like really, really tickled my fancy was uh, was some of the artwork. Uh, that I've seen for it. It looks really cool. There is. Um, I've got some of the artwork here. It is, <laughs> it is very yeah. pretty. And it's just, it's a really cool concept for me because I've I've always been a fan of sort of those uh, kind of post-apocalyptic type um, settings. And this is one of those that isn't really post-apocalyptic, but it is at the same time. Yeah, that's it is an interesting take because you do have the yeah. post-apocalyptic um sort of elements to it yeah but in but without having without committed committing to oh the world is gone sort of thing yeah like oh the whole world got nuked there's radiation everywhere figure it out um like yeah you don't have any of that it's just like there was a big war and this is after the war like yeah and that what know. that also does it kind of offers you the 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 sort of ability to do the fish out of water sort of mm. um, narrative where you get someone from this um, fat distant planet and at some point maybe they travel back to Earth mm. and maybe there yeah. is sort of like a a adventure that could be had there sort of thing. Um, and I mean, I, I, I was just, just reading a bit more... Um bit more on that as well uh there's also plans for it to have like a a skirmish game based around it as well and all that sort of thing which i think will be a a really cool addition especially for someone like me who likes having miniatures for my games to have like official miniatures that are used for the skirmish game that you can use in like your your role-playing sessions Mm. i think that'll be really cool as well um so yeah yeah just all around a really cool concept yeah and there was mention of them trying to kind of spin it off into like TV shows they're, mm-hmm. they're not necessarily making a game they're making an IP yeah they're making a whole whole IP um, and they're trying to take it everywhere and I think that's it's going to be if they if they do it right it's going to be really really cool and really really awesome to see oh I wish them all the luck because um, yeah, it, it is very interesting I'll definitely be be potentially kickstarting it if, if that is yeah. what their plan is I'm not entirely sure but yeah, I'll definitely be be interested in in seeing what how that develops, and yeah. they are set to be releasing at Gen Con, which is mm-hmm. on August the third to sixth. Mm-hmm. All right, um, I do believe you've got a bit of news you wanted to bring to the table as well. I do. So uh, we have had playtest five of One D and D, where they've basically uh, included a bunch of changes to five of the classes. Mm. Um, so Barbarian's Rage uh, I'm just going to go through the sort of highlights I'm not going to go into all the depth um, but Bar- Barbarian Rage is no longer a minute it's now 10 which is awesome for Barbarians um, because that was something that can be a little bit uh, frustrating in those like really dragged out encounters it's halfway through you just stop raging for some reason <laughs> no yeah I yeah I <laughs> 
<laughs> I never kind um, of under because I think that was a, that was definitely a holdover from the three point five days. Yes, it absolutely was. Yeah, um, and it was something that I mean I've played a fair few barbarians in my time, and it was something that never made sense. I've never been angry enough that I would hit things harder um, and calm down in a minute. <laughs> Uh, so that increase to 10 minutes is quite nice uh, for barbarians um, it still does end if they get incapacitated or anything like that which makes sense um, but yeah that, that has been extended so that's quite nice for them uh, big change for fighters second wind has got a bit of a buff so you can use it more than once per long rest uh, or once per more than once per short rest even um, so you can use that a bit more to, to kind of give yourself a bit of health and all that thing which is quite nice however action surge which is the main fighter ability that everybody loves and uses for a lot of the the broken builds that I've seen and, and done myself over the years has seen a bit of a nerf. So you're not going to be able to just take a, a full turn or full action again. It's going to be limited in what you can do um, on there as well, which is is quite interesting. Um, I would have thought that that was that has been designed for balance sakes because absolutely, absolutely, you know, because a lot you know, of the the builds that I've seen. Yeah. In in five E, especially the fighter builds, yeah. kind of all went around this this action surge ability. And... Exactly that. Yeah, ah. it, it's it's also a it's one of those things that for two levels to get a whole attack extra attack action is insane. Um, you know, like you take a two level dip into fighter and you can take a whole attack again. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's definitely been changed for balance sake, um, and I'll be in, very interested to see how. Um, that affects the balance overall once we get a bit more um, detail fleshing out everything else in the system which would be quite nice mm. um, sorcerers have seen some changes as well so they've got more spell slots which is awesome because that's something sorcerers have always struggled with um, so at max level you used to get 15 slots you now have 22 um, so that's quite a big jump 7 extra spells is a lot of spells um, so that would be quite nice and very interesting again I think that's been tweaked for balance sake because Sorcerers were really cool, but in terms of usability, they just get dwarfed by every other spellcaster because, like, you've only got fifteen spells. Oh no! Um, and they have they share lists with a lot of other. You know, they don't have anything that was unique to them, um, which I'm hoping they change as well. Um, Warlocks got a change, so they're going to gain their packed boon at level one instead of level three, so they'll be able to start their um, scaling a lot quicker, uh, which would be quite nice for them something they've always struggled with they're kind of for the first three levels you're kind of useless until you get that pack boon um so that's quite nice for them and wizards so wizards themselves haven't had a huge change um just lots of little ones that aren't massively revolutionary or anything like that what they have had though is um the the rules around spell books have been simplified and they're all in one place now rather than having to go through 50 different books and 50 different places to find how a spellbook actually works, which is pretty cool. Um, and they've also got a new spell, which is the Scribe Spell spell. <laughs> okay. Um, so that, I, I haven't read the full spell details um, on that yet, but I plan to um, very, very soon. Um, but I'm hoping that lets them essentially scribe spells that they've seen into their spellbook for use themselves, which would be pretty cool. Um, and then aside from the classes, we've had some changes to weapon mechanics, which are really cool. So weapons are no longer just going to be biggest dice better. Um, they're actually going to be adding abilities to the weapons. So like clubs are going to give you the ability to slow a target. Halberds are going to be able to cleave and, and lots of different things like that, which I think is going to be a really, really cool 
addition because you're going to have flavor on these weapons rather than just this one hits harder I use this hmm. um, so that's quite cool monks still haven't been touched uh, we're still waiting on something for that monks honestly need the most help in 5e so I'm hoping they get the buff they need I'm hoping they become really really cool and really really fun because at the moment they're a bit of a bit of a joke amongst the, the 5e community um, so I'm hoping they get a really I'm, I'm hoping they've been left because they're going to save the best for last and release them right at the end and they're going to be awesome that's what I'm hoping but we'll have to wait and see um, but if you want to have a look at the playtest stuff uh, you can go on the Unearthed Arcana website it's all on there you can download it yourself for free uh, have a look through all the playtest notes uh, and, and play it have a look see how it feels for you Okay, I mean, it does sound interesting. A lot of a lot of decent changes there. A lot of positive mm. changes, and especially yes, the definitely. balance sort of aspect of it is is definitely, I think. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that is something that Five <laughs> E has has kind of needed. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Um, it's 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 always been, um, you know, spellcasters have been in a really really strong place in Five E for a long time. Um, and some of the other changes in the past that they've done with these playtests have been really good, like spells no longer critting um, to kind of give that differentiation between, you know, a fireball hitting you and somebody who's really skilled with a sword and stuff like that. And I think those those kind of changes are really cool because it's going to bring the balance back into it. Hmm. Um, because let's be honest, the problem that a lot of martial characters have is they can't really, like, if they hit you with their axe, it's still only 1d12 of damage, right? Whereas a lot of the spells, as you upscale them, it's like, oh yeah, that does like 82 dice now. Um, you need to go buy a dice shop to cast that spell. <laughs> um, and I think kind of, yeah, that, that's going to help offset that, I think, which is going to be quite cool. Nice. It's, it's interesting. Have you, have you tried any of the playtest stuff? Not yet. Um, I've had a read through some of it. I haven't read through this one yet um, because I, I only found out about this when we were uh, looking for news articles for this. Um, this episode so I'm going to have a look at that um, probably this week I'll have a play through that and I'll uh, I'll be able to give you a little bit of more feedback on it yeah. next week yeah obviously if you kind of keep me in the loop because it's not mm. something that I'm going to be particularly delving into um, yes. but yeah I'd, I'd be very interested to, to kind of hear some of the changes that they're making mm-hmm. alright okay so next bit of news comes from the other side of the coin Yes, it comes from Paizo, which um, I don't. It's your wheelhouse. It's, yeah, did they um, quite suddenly? And I and I will say this: it was quite sudden across the board, um, even for people that are in certain positions that may hear of things early or may not, <laughs> and can't talk about them because of NDAs. Can, can neither confirm nor exactly. Deny. Um, <laughs> it, it was literally posted simultaneously on oh, on wow. those feeds as well as the public feeds mm. that they are going to be remastering their 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 rule books, which w- once the orc license kind of got um, announced, we knew something was going to happen. Yeah, you know that they would move to the orc license because it would it kind of makes sense, you know, if they're yeah, of course, yeah, if they're one of the driving forces behind one of these new licenses, spent loads of money developing a license, not going to use it. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'd be like it, yeah, so, so it was quite apparent that something was going to happen. However, I don't think anyone expected this. 
So essentially what they're going to do is they're going to kind of get all their rules, all their sort of main rule books, and they're going to split them. Because okay. the way it's happened, like not only in this edition, but in first edition as well, is that there yeah. would be a, a core rule book, yeah. which would have information for players, information for GMs, and then obviously you've got your supplements where you get your game mastery guide, you get your advanced players guide, you know, yeah. where things where you can expand stuff out, yeah, yeah. on the core rule book. So now what they're going to do is they're going to split the sort of game masters rules and the players rules into two with a third branch which would be the sort of bestiary so it's almost like they're taking a leaf out of wizards of the coast yeah by doing um, this yeah so you're going to have essentially like a the core rule book for your players a sort of game master guide and then yeah your monster manual yeah so essentially where you've got your php and and all that yeah they're going to essentially do the same thing which to be fair i i'm on board with because yeah you know the core rulebook I, I I literally cannot reach it from where I'm sitting but it's <laughs> got a ton of pages it is yeah it is a bible and a half so no, to, course, to actually yeah. split that up so there's going to be a Pathfinder player core a Pathfinder mm-hmm. GM core a Pathfinder mm-hmm. monster core but then they're going to mm-hmm. bring out a, a Pathfinder player core 2 as well um okay. Which I think. So I'm, I'm guessing that player core two is going to kind of be like the, what the advanced player guide used to be. I think it's going to be an even split from what I can tell. Um, oh, okay. Because I did watch a um, a sort of frequently asked questions thing, and yeah. some of the classes they're going to be in player core. Some of the classes they're going to be in player core two. I mean, some people okay. are calling that a bit of a cash grab. It, I don't see. Yeah, that's not entirely wrong. It might be. I guess but... it maybe depends on the split. Like, because if if the ones that they're putting in the the normal player core, right? So, player core one. Let's just call it <laughs> to differentiate now what we're talking about. Then, so if, yeah, if they put like the really base classes in the player core, and then the classes that are a bit more tricky in the player core two, that kind of works because obviously you want the player core for introducing players, and then player core two they can get a bit more involved. That's what I don't think they're doing. Oh, really? Yeah, um, because I can't remember them off the top of my head. But they did come out and say, right, we're going to have some classes in this and some classes in the other. I think what what they're trying to do is kind of link them slightly thematically. Right. Which, yeah, I mean... Mm. You know, cash grab, potentially. (laughs) Potentially a cash grab, but... I guess guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, um, but... You know, it's a company. They've got to make money. So, yeah. You know, yeah, you're like never going to see me. What they do at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. You know, so um, I don't disagree with that. I'll probably be buying everything they put out anyway because I do. Yeah. And there are. <laughs> now, there is something about this that has really given me a, um, a, little, a little tugging in my pants. Oh. Um, they are releasing um, special editions of these books. And they are fucking gorgeous. <laughs> I had a feeling it was going to be something like that because you do love a special edition. I do, I do. 
and I'm seeing if I can find a picture. But essentially, the special editions are using sort of just black and white artwork, like stencil mm. work on the front. And it's oh. like, oh, they're fucking gorgeous. Yeah, that, that is, they're going to be. Nice. Like yeah, that. they're going to. They're releasing exclusively to local game stores. Oh. So yes, I'm going to get in touch with my local game store and. Yes, and be like, you need to get these, I, all of them. I, I need them. <laughs> I just want. I just. I don't get, give a shit. I just want a copy of each. Yeah. And that's it. And that's basically what I'm going to do. There are some other things that they kind of. Um, glanced over in their initial announcement but these mm -hmm. are the things that have probably caused the most let's say it outrage people don't like change mm -hmm. no that's true um with them kind of embracing the orc license and wanting to step away from ogl they've there are some rules that are being revised and completely omitted <laughs> one of those is alignment Oh, okay. So essentially, they're just removing alignment. They're removing okay. the the what we know as alignment. And mm. from what I gathered in the press release that they did, is second edition came out with alignment, but it also came out with edicts and, and anathemas. Mm -hmm. So when you go and look up a god, for example. It'll say this god has this alignment, but these are its edicts and these are its anathemas. Mm. So it was like an added guide as to what sort of behaviours would be would be considered favourable or unfavourable to to that particular god. Yeah. Um, which kind of makes sense because the because well alignment the the same alignment can mean two different things or yes. multiple different things. So having edicts and anathemas helped kind of narrow things down. So, for example, a lawful good worshipper of Saren Ray will have yeah. a different edicts and anathemas than a lawful good worshipper of Ragathiel. You know, and... Although I'm just going to backtrack very, very quickly there and, and just correct your pronunciation. It's Saran Rap. Saran wrap, yes, that is correct. I do apologise. Thank you. Yep, Saran wrap indeed. <laughs> you know, my so just just you know, just you, just to clarify quickly you know, um, for the listeners that don't know why we call Saran Ray that um, in our in our very very first campaign that we've spoken about on this uh, on this podcast before, we had a cleric in the party who also happens to listen to the podcast, um, who was a cleric of Saran Ray. And it was a running joke throughout the entire campaign that we all used to call the god Saranga. So, yeah. Which, that, <laughs> because it was my bard that was the most antagonistic. Yes. <laughs> you'll be happy to know that that antagonism has lasted throughout all my games. And every I'm time... so proud. Every time <laughs> there is a cleric of Saranray, there is something fundamentally wrong with them. <laughs> Like, I love it. Um, one of my players, he was a cleric of Saren Ray, and basically, I just made this depraved version of a cleric. You know, <laughs> they'd walk in and she'd be strung out on fucking smack. <laughs> oh, I love it. 
and that, and that has lasted through multiple oh. games and multiple iterations. So much so that my <laughs> players cautioned another new player against choosing Saren Ray as a Saren god. <laughs> oh, that's when you know you're doing it right. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> yes, we digress. So, yeah, that is that is definitely an interesting change. But obviously, it is a change. And, yes. you know, you've got people kind of going both sides of that coin yeah you've got people that aren't very happy about it and you know i get it but the beauty of pathfinder is if you don't want to use a book you don't fucking buy it end of yeah yeah you know you can still find all the rules for free on archives of nethys Mm -hmm. or you know if you want to keep using alignment you can still use it like it's not like it's a non-existent table that doesn't exist anywhere else on the planet yeah it's not like (laughs) It's not like they're going to send anyone to your house. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that is the news from from the Paizo corner. Um, Yes. There is one more bit of news, which I think is very awesome. I think it is as well. I think it's really cool. Um, And and I'm just gutted that I wasn't invited. I mean... The, the the choice of words means that we're probably in the wrong country for it. I don't give a shit. I want to be invited. <laughs> so, a mall full of D&D players teamed up to defeat Vecna and set a Guinness World Record. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, and I completely... Right, so, Andrew Ashby, who is the owner of Tabletop RPG Shop, We Geek Together needed 500 players to cram themselves into the Provo Town Centre Mall and agree to play one giant game of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. By the time by the time dice started rolling on Saturday, more than 1,200 adventurers had answered the call and broken a world record. <laughs> oh, that's insane, dude. Could you imagine that... 1,200 people in the same game? So it's not like multiple games. That's one game. That's one group. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean, I've never been a part of a multi multi table game, um, but we are going to be organising one soon. And mm. essentially, I mean, don't get me wrong. When I say we are going to be organising, I don't want anyone to get fucking excited. Four <laughs> tables, probably at most. All right. Wait, so you, so you're not trying to break the record uh, of one thousand two uh, one thousand two hundred and twenty seven players? I don't think I know twenty. I don't. I don't think I know that many people. <laughs> I don't. I don't think we have that many people in the town we live. in. I certainly don't like that many people. <laughs> Oh god no! Um, I, I, I think like if you just took those first two numbers, that's too many. That yeah, that's a stretch. That's me going. Ooh, yeah. it's a social event now. <laughs> I'm gonna stay home. <laughs> so yeah, um, the way it works is that there is an overarching adventure, mm-hmm. and each table has to focus on one area of it. There yes. are individual GMs. And mm-hmm. then there is a GM coordinator. Yes. Who basically tracks everybody's sort of progress and how that affects the story on a whole. Now that for a table that that for like four or five tables in of itself is is difficult. Mm-hmm. So to do it with I mean, one thousand two hundred and twenty-seven. So I'm times. guessing six um, two hundred. What would it be? Two hundred and fifty tables, give or take. Uh, well, according to the article, 
they constructed it with 200 separate parties. Okay. So there's two, there's two. So originally Guinness, Guinness told them they needed to fill 500 seats, right? And that, that would get them the record. So obviously they, they went 500 seats, 200 like groups. We can do that. So then it's like tables of like, uh, you know, two to four, right? But then obviously 1,227 people showed up and then those tables got pretty big, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So yeah. That's <laughs> six and a bit players. Just, just yeah, just just over six to a table. Yeah, which That's isn't you know as as tables go, it's not that big. It's it's manageable. No, but yeah, I could two hundred of them. <laughs> I can only imagine that there would have been obviously two hundred separate GMs, but mm-hmm. every sort of maybe ten to fifteen tables had a coordinator. Which that's, mm-hmm. that's the only way you could feasibly do that is yeah. have it be a pyramid scheme of of, of <laughs> sorts where you know the 200 separate parties report to a coordinator who then reports yeah. to a so higher up coordinator, coordinator <laughs> yeah. and then one person sat on an ivory throne if he did, if this yep. dude did not have an ivory throne I'm very or, disappointed or, or, or like at the very least like the throne from Game of Thrones right yeah. Like something along those lines. Some... He has to have. If he didn't, I'm going to be very upset. And I think Guinness should take away the war Oh, yeah, that's it. They should. It's like, what, what yeah. chair were you sat on? Oh, just just an office chair. Just a wooden one? Oh, no. No, no that's yeah. it. That's it. Call us, call us when you get a fucking chair, all right? <laughs> yeah, call us when you get a proper throne. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that is pretty sweet, to be honest. And that's awesome, dude. Yeah. the campaign scenario is available on DriveThruRPG. Yes. Which. Add to cart. <laughs> yeah um it, it definitely it, it's a really cool thing as well for for the whole community is like just in general right to have that many people come together um and just for for a whole afternoon and just share share the love of the game um and i think that's just awesome i think it's fantastic and you know it's it takes some fucking brass well no no what takes what takes the brass is uh, he he has said that he's not content with that and he wants to do this he wants to do this annually right he wants he wants to host enormous games like this on an annual basis is what he said yeah okay let's see if we can score him (laughs) we'll see what we can do dude i will i will happily be there reporting on the fucking thing Dude, I'll happily fly out to America for that. Yeah, one hundred percent. I will. Yeah, I will. I don't even have to play. I will walk around with a microphone and re- and just interview people. Yeah. Man. So your character died. Talk to us about it. Well, I ran into this room and it was full of trolls and I hit one, uh, but there was like eight others that I didn't see, so I died. Yeah, basically, it's <laughs> and it's the GM's fault. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's GM's fault. Gonna Everything's GM's, GM's fault. Didn't you know that? But yeah, I think that is is absolutely fantastic. I think it's a good way yeah. to kind of end the news on yes, on, on a positive. Yes. So you wanted to talk to me about your new character. Yes, my changeling warlock with the twin sibling who is also a changeling warlock. <laughs> okay. I'm. You've definitely got me intrigued. <laughs> so it was one of those things right where we had the idea for the twins before we decided to make them both warlocks right um because we we're both bringing in new characters because our characters were both being written out at the same time um 
And I know it's, it's, it's always one of those things, right? When you're writing new characters into a story, if you're doing more than one at a time, like how do these two people know each other, right? Because for two people to randomly show up at the same tavern uh, to find the same group of adventurers, it just it's it kind of suspends belief for a minute yeah. to to kind of shoehorn these new characters in. However, if they have a previous relationship, like you know their siblings or whatever, right, or they they're doing something together already, or they're employed by the same person, or whatever the case may be, right? If you've got some reason that they'd be together, it does make it a lot easier, and it doesn't suspend belief for a minute. So we had the idea of making them siblings. Uh, then we, we were chatting about it, and we thought, wouldn't it be really funny if they were twins? Um, and like my character's like two minutes older because that's how twins work, right? Uh, one's always a couple of minutes older than the other one. Wait, what? Um... <laughs> I thought they both came out at the same time. Simultaneously, pop simultaneously. Out. <laughs> um, so we we kind of wanted to go on the running joke of because we're also both siblings, right? Me, me and the other player involved. We are siblings. We have younger siblings. Um, so we know how that whole sibling dynamic works, right? And we thought it'd be really funny if we took that to the extreme of, because they're twins, the fact that I'm like a couple minutes older, we still have that older sibling, younger sibling dynamic, but I, I just keep running, yeah, but I'm, I'm a minute older. Yeah, but, but I'm a minute older, so I go first. And just stuff like that. Um, just because it would be quite funny. But then... Uh, so the other player had the concept of the, the warlock to begin with, right? Because they wanted to play a warlock because they were quite interested in the, in the class and things like that. Um, and we wanted to have that element of competition still even to our class choice. Um, and I really I really wanted to do something like a, a sorcerer. So I was like born with the magic because I was, I was a minute earlier. Uh, so they made a deal to get magic was the original concept we had, right? Um because again, it inspires that kind of little competition and rivalry between the two of us. But we've got a sorcerer at the table who is very new to D&D. Like this is her first campaign, right? And I didn't want to then come in as a sorcerer and overshadow her sorcerer. So we thought, how else could we do it? I thought about wizard, but it didn't really suit because you know one studied to get to where they are the other one just made a deal that doesn't seem right so we both made deals but with different patrons <laughs> to once again inspire that competition of yeah but my patron's better than yours my patron can do this what can your patron do um, and kind of have that that clericky arguments of my deity versus your deity but with their patrons right mm -hmm. um, and yeah that's kind of the, the concept at the moment uh, my character's patron is a djinn, a genie, um, and the other character is uh, sworn to an arch fae because they really wanted to lead into the fae element of being, you know, changeling and all that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, and we're, we're quite interested to see how it all plays out. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. It is an interesting dynamic, and again, it is like you say, it is one that we'll have to see how it plays out yeah i mean when you kind of co-create uh characters with somebody else you you kind of tie yourself into certain elements yes um especially when you're creating siblings so like whenever there's a choice between a party member and a sibling 
you're always going to go for the sibling. Yeah, of course. You know, which is great roleplay. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, depending on who you're playing with, um, can create certain, you know, certain sort of hostility. But again, if you're dealing with a, uh, a table of, of people who who are very into the role-playing, then that hostility can be character-based and it can be um, developing, which, exactly which that, kind yeah. of really works. And I think that, that's why this table works really well for that because none of them are really uh, what, what I like to call mechanics monkeys. Uh, so they're, they're not big on the, you know, if I chain all of these spells together, I can do this really awesome thing. They're all very much about the role player. One of the players even comes like, uh, so she's playing a, a half elf, right? Um, and she literally comes to my house wearing elf ears and, and you know dressing up and stuff like that. And it's so it's a more role play focused group. So I think it's going to fit really well with the group, um, which I think is is uh, important that you have the right group for something like that. It is. It is um, because it, it's one of these things that can go wrong. Yeah. Uh, quite easily but doesn't have to if that makes sense um, yeah. it's not a oh this is a shit idea it's a case of <laughs> as long as it's in the sort of the, the right environment with the right people then yeah 100% I think it's a great yeah. idea and if I was the GM of that table oh how much I'd be fucking with you right and that that's the thought process is it gives um, it gives a whole new element to, to fuck with yeah um, just narratively speaking yeah you know um maybe your two patrons are somehow be controlled by a third and you are cogs in a grand machination honestly my thought process was something similar or they're actually the same patron just like appearing differently to both of us <laughs> yeah something like that there's there's so much there's so much to play with especially when you're dealing exactly. with with siblings yeah there is so well, it, much it's actually our great great grandfather <laughs> yeah something along those lines i'd i'd yeah I'd, I'd definitely as a gm i'd have fun with that oh yeah there's a field day to be had you know you, you can create a really compelling narrative mm. you know what if one of the and I think... what if one of the characters dies and then gets turned exactly evil? exactly and I think as well, it, it's something for me that is going to be, it, it's big for me and that it's something I'm stepping out of my comfort zone to do, right? Because as, as I've discussed in the past, right, I, I am a mechanic monkey. I like to look at mechanics and how can I make this and that work together to do this and all that sort of thing, right? So for me to build a character that is entirely based around the roleplay possibilities, I'm really proud of myself because it's stepping out of my comfort zone and it's something I don't like to do, as you well know. Um, <laughs> and I'm intrigued to see how well I stick that because I've not even like gone out of my way to... like I haven't multi-classed this character. I haven't... Um, I'm literally sticking true to this is what this person would be doing. They're trying to compete with their sibling. Their sibling's doing this, so I'm going to do better. And that's that's all I'm doing. I'm trying to beat my sibling because that's the sibling rivalry we have. Uh, but at the same time, like we're not, uh, we don't overly, you know, we're not like uh, aggressive towards each other. 
but there is that whole sibling rivalry of like I, I'm better because I'm the older sibling. No, I think I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll <laughs> you'll probably you'll fall into it quite easily. I think because yeah. um, as much as you say that you do focus on mechanics and you struggle with role play, now you've got a hook that you really invested in. And I think that you will kind of find your feet quite easily. I hope so. Because it, it, it is an element of the game that I, I really enjoy when it's done right. Is like seeing seeing like really good role players, right, do their thing. I love it. I think it's so cool. Um, and I would love to be able to get to a point where maybe not, you know, at that level, but where I'm at a point where I'm like, yeah, I can role play. <laughs> I'm sure you will. It, it like everything else, it just takes time and practice. Yeah. And this is a good sort of um, canvas for you to do that on. Mm. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely interested um, to to hear more about it and and how it how it plays out mm. and what sort of shit the GM does. <laughs> it should be interesting. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah, but. I also just wanted to touch on the alignment stuff that you mentioned earlier. Okay. So it's something I, I've i actually kind of... I've had many discussions about alignment in the past. Oh, <laughs> alignment discussions are... Um, if, you're ever, well, if you're ever part of any tabletop role-playing game online communities and someone brings If you've up, never talked about alignment, you are not part of an online community. Oh, but even better is to just sit back and watch other people talk about it. <laughs> Because get the get the popcorn out. Because it it goes chaotic evil pretty fucking quickly. Well, my hot take: alignment doesn't matter. Care to elaborate? <laughs> no, no, I will. Yeah. So I reckon alignment doesn't matter because at the end of the day, right? Like you said uh, when you mentioned it earlier, alignment means different things to different people. Right, so you can be a lawful person, like you can be a lawful alignment, right? But that doesn't mean that you follow the law of the city. You could be following the law of your deity, but you're still lawful. And that's why I I, I feel like the alignment chart was a great concept from when it was you know introduced, but it's evolved so much since then that it's not that anymore. And I I think it's. I agree with what Pathfinder are doing by getting rid of it and just saying, you know, what your deity likes and doesn't like, you know, these actions will do you well, these actions won't, is much better because that's the things that I need to know as a player, right? Because I, as 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 a player, I understand the concept of a lawful good paladin and a lawful evil character, right? They're not following the same laws because if you're following the laws of the land, which are generally for the good of the people in the land right i say generally not always right then you can't inherently be evil because you're following laws that are good right so that lawful doesn't mean the same thing but then having that breakdown of okay well i i worship this deity so i base my life on them and they would reward these behaviors well then that's what your lawful means is you do those behaviors and if you don't know the behaviors, because at the moment in, I mean, in D&D anyway, I don't know so much about, um, you know, some of the other systems out there, those behaviors are kind of open for interpretation because you've just got to kind of look at the the lore of the deity and, and what's written about them in, you know, all of the sources that are out there and say, well, would they think that this is good or would they think that this is bad? And it kind of becomes a judgment call again. And 
then you've kind of lost the whole purpose anyway, right? Yeah, um, I think you're very, very accurate. Um, alignment, oh, right. <laughs> I've never viewed alignment as a guideline. I've viewed it as an end result. Yes. So when someone develops a character and they make them lawful good, or we'll go with chaotic good. For... Yes. So they make a chaotic good character. I've never had that as this is how your character has to behave. I've always mm. seen it as the events that have transpired between you being born Earth and now yeah. and this moment in time tell me your past they tell mm. me what sort of actions you have taken yeah and even then it's a ballpark yeah even then it's like you you're moving along two axes so um you right now you are considered chaotic good but that's because of what happened previously as a character as a player that's playing a character in my world do whatever the fuck you want yeah don't let alignment be a stranglehold you roleplay however you want if what you do changes that alignment then we'll change it yeah i think as well yeah that's that's a really good point because i think too many people like they'll they'll write an alignment down in their character sheet and then they kind of make decisions based on that rather than what makes sense. I mean, the only kind of way that that falls apart is is when we're dealing with certain mechanics that are tied to alignment. Yes. So the the prime example is going to be a paladin. Yeah. You know, or in if you if we're talking pathfinder parlance, a champion. Um. They have they have an alignment and they stick to an alignment, and if they veer from that alignment, they lose their powers, etc., etc. That's why Pathfinder Second Edition were a bit more um, in depth, where it's okay. So you are a follower of Ragathiel, who is yeah. a lawful good god of vengeance. Yeah. So your version of lawful good is going to differ from. The lawful goodness of Saran Ray, uh, Saran Rap. Yeah. Who, yeah, thank you, you know, thank I'm you. sorry, I had to correct it's myself. It's all about preserving I food. I had to correct myself. He'll be listening <laughs> to this episode. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it is, you know, they've got two very different ways of going about things. And playing that in a very vague sort of concept as alignment is always kind of leaves things a bit you know how do, how do yeah. I react to this whereas with the edicts and anathemas you've got a very exactly. clear defined exactly. okay Ragathiel wants you to punish evildoers yeah End and I think that's 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 the, the better way of, of handling it right because let's be honest right your alignment only really comes into it if you have a deity um it's the only time it really becomes an, an issue, right? Is if there's a deity involved. Because if I'm playing a bounty hunter, no one gives a shit whether I'm chaotic good or awful good or just true neutral or whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. As long as I'm not evil, right? But my actions are going to determine that, not 
I'm not having to act a certain way to still be in favor with my deity. I can act whatever is best for my character in that situation, right? Mm. Um, and it's only really, and, and it should be things like clerics and paladins who are stuck to this is what my deity wants, so I need to behave that way because that's their source of power. It's also what they've devoted their life to. So it kind of works in that element because it, it becomes part of the character is my deity wants this. So I have to stick to that no matter what I want, because that should be what I want. Yeah, and there are a lot of the discussions that that alignment kind of ferments is how to make it better, how to make it, you know, work better, how to make it more appropriate, because alignment came about in the early days of sort of D&D when roleplay aspects weren't as heavy. Yeah. So now that, you know, we've got entire worlds and universes that are being created on the daily by many, many GMs across the world, mm-hmm. having something as sort of predefined and pigeonholed as alignment doesn't quite fit the bill. And exactly. what Paizo have done, instead of going, okay, how do we improve this? They've gone... Just get rid of it. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. serve a purpose anymore, and I and I completely agree. It, it kind of it, it works on that uh, that age old saying of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it is broke, chuck it out and get a new one. Yeah, yeah, essentially. And there are mechanics that are going to be tied to it that will be changed. And one of the things yeah. that they talked about on the stream were things that do, for example, like spells that work against a particular alignment like detect evil yes. when they kind of said okay fair enough but rather than detect evil what about if we made it a bit more specific to detect a certain type of evil so yeah. what about detect unholy well exactly because I mean that's the thing as well right is even even the whole detect evil thing your your view of what is evil in the world will differ from someone else right especially especially in um you know in, in this kind of setting right where you can have 15 different deities who are all good in air quotes right but their their views are diametrically opposed to each other so like one could be like like you mentioned earlier right that that lawful good deity of vengeance but you can also have a lawful good deity who thinks that vengeance is a horrific thing and shouldn't be done so to that deity who thinks vengeance is bad, that lawful good deity of vengeance will appear evil because they believe in vengeance. I was just about to kind of touch on that as well. Um, yeah. I'm the sort of person, and this is going to be no surprise to you, that whenever <laughs> I watch a movie, I always, to some extent... Agree with the bad guy. Agree with the bad guy. Barring... I'm the same. Can I just say, barring World War Two documentaries, all right? Oh, yeah, obviously. Um... But yeah, a lot of the times, you know, I'm, you know, Thanos snaps his fingers and I kind of go, yep, that sounds about right to me. Hey, it solved the problem. If we can only feed half half the population of the universe, get rid of the other half, job done. (laughs) So (laughs) as a result of that, when I create a villain in my games, Mm. I make it so that their motives are at least, at the very least, debatable. Yeah, you know, I did one where 
it was in a city that was populated by a lot of adventurers passing through. So what this villain would do, he would put out fake bounties and fake quests that these heroes would then follow and go into a very dangerous area where they would then be killed and he would come <laughs> and he would come along and he would steal the items and then sell them for profit i mean i mean yes it's this is good business it is an evil act let's be honest but at the same time his logic was i'm not nobody forced them to go there yeah nobody forced these people to do this yeah. no no I just put out a rumour. So, yes, they, the party never fell for that one and killed him instantly. Ah. <laughs> but that, you know, that's the sort of... They're, they're the sort of villains I create. I create villains where there is at least a discussion amongst the party where they kind of go, is it that bad, though? <laughs> it, it, it's also... It, it's, it's you know, the, the whole uh, you know POV thing, right? Like if you look at Star Wars, because let's be honest, okay, Star Wars as a universe is a universe m most people are going to be familiar with. Why what Star the Emperor Wars? Doesn't <laughs> the Emperor doesn't consider himself evil, right? He genuinely believes what he's doing is best for the the universe, the galaxy as a whole. So to him, he's not evil, and the the rebellion are the evil ones in his mind, yeah. right? And that's why I think alignment doesn't work because it's all based on on your point of view. Um, so having a, a hard and fast this is good, this is bad just doesn't work because it all comes down to point of view. Yeah, that's it, and it is a sliding scale, and mm. to kind of have characters fall into one of those nine sort of blocks, it, it just doesn't do them justice. No, and and then we get onto the more problematic topics of entire ancestries being considered evil yes which you know the both pathfinder and dnd have have addressed to some really weird outroar may i may i kind of <laughs> add if yeah. you're, i mean if that you're the sort of person that gets fucked off by you know not all orcs being evil fucking take a look at your priorities just saying. Yeah. But anyway, beside the point. So that is something that has already kind of been dealt with and abolished. So, you know, there is no real reason for it anymore. Yeah, it, it doesn't really pose any benefit to existing still. No. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, and most, most DMs that I've played with anyway don't even really use it. I don't believe I've, en I've encountered... I've encountered players who use it. Yeah, and you know, oh well, I'm chaotic good. This is what I'll do, sort of thing. And yeah, yeah those, yeah, don't be that player. Yeah, don't don't, don't be that. Guy. Don't be that guy. That's don't a that's that a shitty way of playing a game. Um, because I, I mean, yeah, I, I've had it. Um, where we were playing like an evil campaign, and some of the some of the players took evil to mean a completely different thing to what. Uh, me and a couple of the other players took it to me. It's like half the party were taking evil as you're just out for yourself, right? Fuck the world, fuck everyone else, fuck that guy next to you. As long as I come out better, I'm happy, right? Which to me, that's quite an evil way of looking at the world. Um, you know, quite selfish. 
Um, but they took it as they're just going to murder anything and everything in front of them, some of the other players. Which, yes, is evil, but also not really the same thing. Uh, but I mean, that argument that argument kind of also applies to, goes to good. The, yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, um, we had... Um, something in our in in our game where i had a crime lord mm. who was running his operation out of um a building on the docks yeah so the party needed to speak to him so they initially tried to infiltrate um stealthily didn't yeah. quite work due to some some unfortunate roles yeah. And it kind of all kicked off and there was this big sort of combat. When the resolution yeah. when it got to the resolution and they were actually speaking to this dude, my answer to them was why didn't you knock on the fucking door first? Yeah. You know, I also made a point of him having not anything illegal in this docks because he's a smart man. So yeah. it's like, yeah, I'm not take a look. Go do fucking investigate the place there's nothing illegal going on here yeah. i'm gonna talk call the town guard so it was like yeah what uh, what well, part of that does that then go from being a good act to then being to an evil, to an evil yeah. act and it, it's exactly that i mean it's like if you look at most um like crime crime bosses in general right, both in fiction and in the real world right they all have some kind of good honest business that they use right because they, they need a way to uh, you know launder their ill-gotten gains. So to the outside eye, they appear to be a very good person, mm. right? They all do. That's the whole point of this this world they build around themselves, you know. They give to charity, they do this for the local community, they help these people, but behind closed doors is where they do their shady shit. Yeah. But that's the thing, like to the outside world they're going to seem like a really nice guy and a really good guy and yeah it's just it's yeah yeah that's my opinion on alignment yeah no i it should have been abolished a long time ago. completely agree i think alignment is an absolute and an ab only a sith deals an absolute yeah exactly and <laughs> in in something like a video game yeah. absolutes work Yes, but in something which is very much down to each individual person, absolutes yeah, it, it doesn't. don't have a place, and I'm happy yeah. to see the back of it. Yep, I don't blame you. All right, so shall we answer a question? I think we shall. Let's have a look. Okay, so this one has been sent in by friend of the show. Couch. Uh, and, and a cleric of Saran Wrap. Cleric of Saran Wrap. Extraordinaire. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure there were other nicknames. Saran Wrap was oh, the had, one that we had stuck. Many. But... Saran Wrap was the one that yeah. stuck, but there was many. Uh, Sunray was another <laughs> one. Our little ray of sunshine, Sunray. I, it was, I think it was just my bard <laughs> having a fucking field day. It was, yeah, it was. <laughs> um, okay, so Couch asks... You talk about power gamers, but what are our thoughts on power GMs? Ones that mm -hmm. seem to be always TPKing tables every month, for example. Have you encountered a GM that plays too much with the power that they have? You want to go first? <sighs> sure. So I think power GMing um, is is not 
great unless it's a table of powered gainers, right? The two the two work really well together, but uh, power GMs kind of it, it ruins roleplay elements and becomes too mechanic heavy at that point. Um, and unless you're a power gamer, you're not going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Is my uh, sort of stance on them. Have I encountered them? Yes. I'm not going to mention names, but there are a couple that come to mind mm. um, who have a reputation for, for killing groups um, and killing players. Um, I personally didn't mind it because I like building characters. That's where most of my fun actually comes from in this hobby. So I didn't mind it too much, but I know a lot of other players did. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's kind of my stance on them. Is that they're good with power gamers? Uh, with anyone else, then they're, they're not great. I've never had the pleasure of encountering a, a sort of power hungry GM. Um, most of the GMs that I've I've had have always been um, kind of willing to work with the players mm. back and forth and that's kind of what i define as a power gm um yeah. again we're going back to absolutes and these are absolute cunts but <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i've i've heard stories i've heard stories mm. of people that that don't have the wiggle room and that's kind of what i define as a power gm yeah i mean someone a, a gm that tpk's frequently isn't necessarily a power gm it's just a severe gm but you kind of know that as you go in you know or you should should i say you yeah. should be you should know what you're getting into as a player and if the gm goes right this is session zero i'm telling you now that i'm not going to fuck about yeah i am going to challenge you and I'm going to try and kill you. It is up to you as players to stop to me doing die. that. Yeah. So I I think as well that that that's something um that is worth worth noting as well is yes the GM is there to facilitate the story and, and for you you know as, as their primary thing but in those encounters you are fighting sentient things, right? These these are things with brains. They're not st- okay, some of them are stupid. But at the end of the day they're also trying to survive yeah you know like if you're fighting a, a group of goblins right yes you're trying to kill them but they're also trying to kill you that's how it should be um <laughs> no i mean i i agree wholeheartedly um yeah i don't believe in the sort of soft touch GMs, I don't, I don't find that particularly interesting. Mm. You know, the ones that will allow players to do anything they want and to essentially hijack the game. Yeah. Um. And I don't believe in in GMs that have no sort of wiggle room because that is what I see as a power GM is the one that kind of goes no what i say goes that is the that is what i define as a power gm and we all at some point have to have elements of that 
but when it is yeah. my table my rules are leave sort of thing it does it does get a bit tedious for players for them to not even be able to kind of go but or mm-hmm. can we try this can we do that that is what i see as a power gm on the yeah. converse of that on the opposite of that not necessarily the opposite but separate to that is the tough gms i've had some i've had some tough gms mm-hmm. you know um and you know you kind of know that going in and that is a case of yeah. this is how this gm runs runs their games there are many other gms out there which will probably be more to your liking i think there is also one other type of gm we haven't touched on with that which i i would put into the power gm category is the there are some gms who see combat as it's them versus the players mm-hmm. um and they go in with the mindset of i need to win that's very and, common and the, yeah and they they will just pull stuff out of their ass until they win yeah um those i would say if 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 that's how you feel don't do it yeah um just don't <laughs> no 100 <laughs> um that's it i mean there is an element of of antagonism and to be honest it's quite easy to fall into yeah because from a player perspective you are against the gm yes and that's the nature of the game yes however it's easy as a gm to kind of react to that yeah rather than just going yeah just let them win um, you know, it, there is an element of of sort of pushing back, and I think that does kind of ferment that sort of antagonistic behaviour. Yeah. There is um, system monster of the week. Yes. Um, in the playbook for that, there is a mm-hmm. line that kind of always stuck with me. Yeah. And it was remember you are a fan of your players yes and that's kind of i do kind of bring that with me to the table you know Mm. i'm interested to see what these players do i'm interested to see their characters develop and i'm interested to see them succeed but at the same time i'm there to stop that happening i'm there to provide the challenge i'm there to make them think yeah. Yeah, it's a very good question. It is. It is. It's a very good one. Um, and I, I think for the most part, um, every GM style, to to some degree, will have a group that would enjoy playing under it. Yeah. And likewise, I think every GM style has players that will hate being in that group. Um, which is why I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, and I'll continue to say it. Session zeros are so important because you can set the expectation yeah definitely um it is it is something where you can not only kind of talk about the game but also get to know each other in the event that you don't already know them yes um just Um, kind of will this person be the right fit for this table and i think as well like it, it also helps if you if you are doing say a new system Right, that you you're familiar with, but some of the players aren't. Right, um, combat might work differently in that system. 
to, to the point of like how lethal it is, right? Because let's be honest, Pathfinder, D&D, stuff like that, combat is more, it, it's an obstacle in the way. It's not fatal 99% of the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in a system like Stars Without Number, it, it, it's it's fatal. Like yeah. you, if you get into combat, players will die. End of discussion. Oh, one hundred percent. Rollmaster um, is a prime example of that. And I think it it's one of those things where if you go from playing nothing but D anD D or a lot of Pathfinder and D&D, like games like that, where combat is kind of inconsequential, um, and then you go and play something like Stars Without Number, unless you have that warning at the start in that session zero of listen, just so you guys know combat in this is not like in the games you're used to if you get into a fight 99% of the time you're going to die yeah if you if you set that early on then it's great if you don't set that early on and then they get into you know they, they go to a bar in the first you know first session and some guy says something like uh, you know some guy has like some offhanded comment which happens in nightclubs and stuff every day in the real world you don't go pulling your guns uh, or maybe, maybe some people, people do. But... <laughs> well, we'll, but we'll just leave that part, one hanging there, shall we? Exactly. Yeah. But for the most part, people don't you know don't react in that way. But in games like this, we tend to because it gives us that outlet for you know venting frustrations and angers and whatnot um, to a degree. And I think if you were to do that in a system like Stars Without Number, right, you get into that stupid combat that in five you wouldn't matter. Um, and then three of three of your party of five die. You might turn around and be like, "Oh, it's fucking GM," but no, it was you. You made a stupid fucking decision. <laughs> yeah, I mean that—that's it. I mean, a lot of the times that the, I mean, we said it earlier. The GM will always get the blame, which is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the cross we have to bear. To be honest, yeah. but it's not always the GM's fault. Just uh, you know. Actually, most of the time, it's not the GM's fault. And this is coming from someone who's not a GM. Most of the time, it's our own fault. But yeah, it was a very good question. Thank you ever so much, Couch. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think that's about it from us, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good spot to call it a day. Yeah. Would you like to tell people whereabouts they can see more of you? Uh, normally I would however I am considering a big rebrand of my online presence at the moment so uh, I'm going to go with I will be available somewhere online but at the moment I'm not sure where that's going to be I'm going to be nice and cryptic Pornhub (laughs) you'll find him on Pornhub (laughs) I wish I'm not attractive enough for Pornhub oh don't say that I'm I'm neither attractive enough nor unattractive enough for Pornhub (laughs) I'm far too average. <laughs> All right, so you can find me at Natural Juan on most of the social media sites. Um, you can also email in questions to us at questions at too legit to crit.uk. There will also be a link to a form in the description of the episode. And also, if you are in the South End Essex region and you fancy some good old fashioned Pathfinder fun, um, come down to Gamers Nexus in Hadley on the 13th and 14th of May where we'll be having a small convention mm-hmm. alright so I want to thank everyone for taking time out of their busy day to listen to us, I want to thank Couch for sending <laughs> in another another fantastic question and yeah. I want to thank you for keeping me company well 
you know, somebody's got to. Exactly. I'm a very lonely person. <laughs> no, honestly, it, it's it's always a pleasure. I love chatting bollocks about a hobby that we both enjoy. It's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, and like like you said, you know, everybody out there listening and it, we didn't expect anybody to. So the fact that you are is kind of cool. Yeah. Once again, thank you to everyone to listening to Two Idiots Waffle On About Tabletop Role Playing Games. Yep. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>